My name is Patrick Nugent. On June 23, 2019, I started walking with Jesus. Come hear my story and the story of so many others whose lives have been changed by their walks with Him. Come walk with us. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for checking out today's episode. I am so excited for you all to hear this. This is just part of my recording session with Ben Nugent. We really get to hear Ben talk about what it means for us to be a Christian today in the 21st century. Apparently, God's definition of pleasant is different than my (laughs) definition of pleasant, and therefore I have to reorient myself. And I think that's a lot of what the Christian life is, is reorienting ourselves. It's really inspirational for believers and non-believers alike to hear how his walk has led him over the last 27 years. I'm free to be who I am, but I'm also free to be who I am in Christ. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for walking with us. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us on Walking with Jesus. This is episode one, so we are excited to to be able to be here. Uh, I say we because I am joined by, uh, by Ben Nugent, who is the U.S. Director for Campus Ministries with the Navigators. Is that the correct title? That's correct. All right. That's correct. Awesome. Uh, so, Ben, I'm just going to ask, one, what are the Navigators and, and what's the mission there? Sure. The Navigators uh, are an international Christian ministry operation. We operate in 115 countries around the world, as well as in the United States. We've been around since the 1930s, founded on naval battleships in the 1930s and 40s. And our mission or our motto is to know Christ, make him known, and help others to do the same. So that's really the goal of every single Navigator staff around the world is to know Christ, make him known and help others do the same. Wow. What an awesome mission to serve Christ in that way. How long have you been doing that? I've been on staff with the Navigators since 2001, but around the Navigators since 1995. Oh, cool. Before we go further, I want to say that not only am I privileged to have Ben here, um, to, to be able to just interview and chat about walking with Jesus and chat about bringing people to Christ and chat about how all that goes. But I also need to say that Ben Nugent is also my brother. Uh, he's my older brother. He's two and a half years older. And so we have grown up together. There is no one who on planet Earth that knows me better than, than Ben does. And so even even our parents, you know, they, they know the version of me that I want them to know, even to this day. Um, but for sure, through through our, our, our youth and my childhood, they knew the version of me that I wanted them to know. So, um, so Ben, you've been with the Navigators since 1995. You've been affiliated with the Navigators since 1995. Tell me what brought you to realize that you wanted to serve Christ in that way. Well, I think there's a couple of things that really stand out to me. One is when I got to college at Illinois State University in the fall of 1995, I was a six-month-old believer growing up in the same home that you did and met Christ through uh, a co-worker at Little Caesars Pizza there in the Chicago suburbs. And when I got to college, I really had no idea 
what I was going to do with Jesus. How was I going to continue walking with him? Where, how do you even find a local church? I had no idea what those even first steps were. And two hours after I moved into the dorm, a guy knocked on my door and he said, Hey, my name is Brian. I'm leading a Bible study in this dorm. Do you want to be in it? And I thought, I guess so. That's what Christians do, right? They get into the Bible and they study the Bible. I had no other, you know, growing up without going to church, I had no idea or framework for any of these even words. And so Brian took me under his wing right away and showed me how to read the Bible, showed me how to pray, showed me how to share my faith in a non-weird way with people. And that was a big, that's a big value for us is to not be weird about stuff. And (laughs) so that was immediately attractive to me that, that regular people could help other regular people understand how to read the Bible and pray and share their faith and things like that. So that was immediately attractive to me. And then as I went through my college career and with more and more just discipleship opportunities, opportunities to grow in my faith, then I thought, wow, if Brian can do this with me, I can do this with other people. Like Brian's a regular guy. He got a regular degree from a regular university and he can help people do this. So maybe I could do that. And so it was really, it's based on a lot of the promises of God. One of the primary ones being Isaiah 43, 4, which says, since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you and men in exchange for your life. And I just thought to myself, Lord, if I trade in my agenda, if I trade in, like if I exchange my history degree and my desire to coach baseball, and will you give me men in exchange and will you allow people to walk with you because of that exchange that we made? So that those really are the things I thought, well, if, if Brian could do this, I can do this. And so let's do this together. So that's how we started. That's amazing. Uh, I know Brian, I got to, got the privilege of meeting him and getting to know him while you were at Illinois state. That's a neat story about him that I had heard, but I want, definitely want everyone who's listening to be able to hear. This is something I'm going to ask every guest. And that is what was your life like before you started your walk with Jesus? And just in a couple of sentences, and then when since your your walk began, what's changed in those things that's that's changed in you? Yeah, I mean, before Jesus, it's it's easy to point to uh, our parents' divorce and be like, well, that was the source of all of my issues, mm-hmm. and maybe that exacerbated some. But uh, really, I was a people pleasing performance oriented perfectionist, Mm -hmm. you know, and wanted everybody to like me and think that I was responsible and and all of those things. And so upon coming to Christ and it took years, this didn't happen like momentarily. Once I got out of the baptism water, it didn't, all those peas didn't go away. The people pleasing, the perfectionism, those things didn't go away, but it took, it took many years actually for the Lord to kind of uh, untangle all of those things. And, and that was an important thing for me. So now again, I go back to this word free Mm -hmm. that I am free in Christ. I am free to obey Jesus. That's what real biblical freedom is, Mm -hmm. is before Jesus, I didn't have the ability to obey. And now with Jesus, I have the ability to obey. And he says that his commands are for our own good. And so now I'm experiencing his commands as for my own good and not just this big, heavy burden of stuff I have to do. Yeah. 
Wow. You mentioned the home that we grew up in. Mm-hmm. How would you describe the home that we grew up in? I would generally call it godless. From a spiritual perspective, I would just say it was godless, that God was never mentioned. God was never attacked. God was never promoted. So godless. And, you know, I think many people might hear that and think, oh my goodness, your parents were like staunch atheists. No, I don't think that that's true at all. I just think that God just wasn't part of their mind. It was He was not part of their mindset or their philosophy. I remember dad telling us at a very young age, I think I was seven, Seven or eight raking leaves in the backyard, which was a annual fall chore. And, <laughs> you know, how come we don't go to church? Most of our friends were going to Catholic church. Some of our family was going to Catholic church. And I remember him saying, well, church is for people who need a guidance system. And your mom and I are your guidance system. So I thought, Okay, I mean, when you're eight years old on a Sunday morning, that's fine. Okay, great. You, uh, you, you're my guidance system. So I, I would say that that was generally how I view our growing up from a spiritual perspective. For sure. From a Chicago suburban perspective, we were the same as everybody else. <laughs> that's right. You know, I mean, like we were raking leaves in the fall, and we had baseball in the spring and summer, and we would you know go to the lake on the weekends and like it was everybody else was doing the same thing so we fit very much into that kind of middle class working parents kind of ideal in the midwest so it was very typical for the most part until they announced they got divorced and then we were those kids we were those kids who were like oh we're the only ones that we know that have divorced parents yeah we were we yeah. were in like in our neighborhood among our friend group yes. we were the first kids whose parents were were split yeah and it was like okay you know when you go to school and maybe you know somebody who has divorced parents and like we're those kids that the other ones knew <laughs> so it was from that perspective that was kind of strange and mm-hmm. but from the like midwestern ideals we were right there in the thick of it yeah you mentioned that that dad used to talk about about he and mom being our guidance system. Mm-hmm. As you look back on that now, having having been a man of faith for 27 years, what do you think about making a human a guidance system for another person? Well, I think it's I mean, it's pretty false number one like I don't know anybody who I would want to just follow every single thing that they do there might be some profession that I want to learn how to do that profession but do I want to emulate their character no or do I want to emulate their marriage do I want to emulate their child rearing do I want every single part so I think that's part of it I think and I don't mean to say this like against dad or whatever but it's also kind of arrogant to think like I can be a guidance system for somebody like (laughs) I'm a hot mess and you know like my marriage isn't perfect my child raising isn't perfect my character is not perfect so I don't want to be anybody's guidance system that's a lot of pressure and I mean I think to myself like good grief like I'm just doing the best I can here and to think to, to be somebody's guidance system I don't know about that so but to be somebody's guide toward Jesus or toward who you know in and I guess in other faiths it would be somebody else or something else but to be a guide and kind of a a nurse in a hospital to kind of help you along is the to me the better way to to think about it yeah, the author Bob Goff refers to it as being a Sherpa. 
Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. It's just like, I mean, we just try to help. I want to try to help people. And the Apostle Paul says, well, follow me as I follow Christ. So he's not setting himself up as the one to be followed necessarily or the one to emulate, but he's he's following Jesus and he wants people to follow him as he's going their way. So the Sherpa who kind of knows the route, who knows the pitfalls to avoid. My friend Jerry Bridges, who's an old author, passed away a few years ago. He used to say, you know, we're all broken. We're all damaged goods. We're all in the hospital. I've been in the hospital a little bit longer than you are. So I can I can maybe point out like the nice nurses and I can point out which places in the hospital you don't want to go. I can point out the nice cafeteria lady, that kind of <laughs> stuff. And it was just so helpful. Here he is, an author of a dozen books and one of my spiritual heroes. And he's like, Ben, I'm no less broken than you are. I've just been in the hospital a little bit longer. What an encouraging perspective to me. That's amazing. I... I don't know that I've ever heard you use that specific reference. That is amazing. Yeah. Um, what an amazing way to, to think about faith and coming to it and understanding that we are all broken. And yeah. that's, that's been hard for me again, who I, you know, I had mom and dad as a guidance system. And then I tried, tried and tried through my adulthood to make myself my guidance system yeah. that I could decide for myself. And so coming to faith two and a half years ago, it became, uh, abundantly clear how how mistaken I was and so when you said that's false like that's what we can depend on the bible to speak one thing to us and that thing is truth yeah and, and so when I when I think about the truth of the bible I think yeah I'm broken and I need I need the guidance system that isn't human of human you know unless it's God come in human form it's in the, the incarnate Jesus uh needs to be the guidance system Um, so for someone who's new to faith and, or someone who is, I guess I'll use the word waffling uh, between whether or not they're ready. How do you discuss with them the, the, the vision of Christ that's been shaped by our culture? Yeah, I think one of the common misconceptions, misunderstandings, or myths even that Christian culture can kind of propagate, and even American Christian culture, is that God helps them who helps those who help themselves. And that's like one of the biggest lies from the pit of hell that I've ever heard, because nobody can help themselves. Nobody can help themselves. The American ideal of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, the there, there is no more anti-gospel sentiment than pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. You've gotten where you are today, full of sin, full of confusion, full of anxiety and depression and all of these things because you've been trying to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That's like <laughs> the problem. And so, and the problem is I'm just going to keep working, working, working. And then God helps those who help themselves. So it's like your, your people are stuck in this like hamster wheel of helping themselves, helping themselves. And they expect God to kind of like swoop into this hamster wheel, pull them out and be like, okay, you've worked hard enough. Now I will help you. And that is so antithetical to the gospel. The gospel is for people who have nowhere else to go. They have nowhere else to look. They look, they look to themselves and all they see in themselves is the mess. 
They look to their friends and all they see in their friends is the mess and there's nowhere else to go. There's no, there's no possible other way to go. And that's when Jesus is like, I'm right here. I've been waiting. I've been looking for you. I'm right here. So I think part of the culture is that we work really hard and then Jesus kind of swoops in and takes care of the rest. You know, like we rescue ourselves 90% and then he comes in and he takes care of the last 10. No, he takes care of all 100%, 100% of the time. There's nothing you can do to to keep that from happening. Right, right. Are there any other big myths that you see that kind of stand out to you when you're talking to someone who's, again, either a new believer or who is deciding whether or not now is the time to come to faith. Yeah, I think another one that's pretty common, uh, and it's been common for a long time, is, well, I'm a good person. You know, I'm a good person, and good people go to heaven, right? Well, that's a, I think that's a total misunderstanding of the scriptures, and probably because of lack of exposure. I mean, the reality is most people haven't spent time in the Bible, and even those who are spending time in the Bible, it's like seems like it's decreasing in frequency these mm. days. Mm-hmm. So I think this, this thought that, well, I'm a good person. I'm not Hitler. I'm not Mussolini. I'm not Putin. You know, like I'm not invading the next country over or I'm not cheating on my spouse or I'm not beating my kid or what, you know, whatever kind of uh, standard that we've put in our head for what is right and wrong. Then we just think, well, okay, well, I'm right. Well, I think everybody is right according to their own standard. Everybody is a good person according to their own standard. But it goes back to the the thing that I said earlier where it's like, well, you don't get to set the terms for Mm. what is right and wrong or what is good or bad. And Jesus gets to set those. He's the one who kind of, he created heaven and earth. He created you and me. And so Mm. he's the one who says that. So I think that's a huge myth right now is I'm a good person. So I'm going to go to heaven. And, and Jesus is like, that was never actually part of the equation for Mm. you going to heaven. It's like when you're sitting with your kid and you have a two-year-old and you say, okay, if you, if you eat your peas, your potatoes and your meat, you get to have dessert. And she says to you, well, actually, I'm going to eat my potatoes and then I'm going to ask for more potatoes. And I I want two helpings of potatoes and no helpings of peas. So then I can get dessert, right? Well, no, that's actually not what I said. I said the peas, the potatoes and the meat. And so for us to say, well, I'm a good person, that's that's the qualification to get into heaven, right? Actually, Jesus never talked about being a good person. All he talked about was faith. He talked about, do you believe in me? And I am the I am the object of your faith. So once we start trying to change the rules to a game that we don't get to change the rules for, we start to get into some dangerous territory. Yeah. 100%. So we hear that the words spiritual disciplines often for somebody who's brand new in faith. What do you think the most important, I guess we'll call it the second step, because if step one is I've accepted now that I am, I, I am basically a student now. What do you think the first lesson that needs to be learned once you've accepted that you're a student under Christ? Yeah, I, there's probably two or three, actually, that sure. could be used interchangeably. And if you ask somebody else, they might put what I'm going to say for number two as number one and vice versa. But I think it's probably kind of like a like a diet, you know, where you don't just eat protein. You have a healthy balance of protein, carbs, you know, all the things. 
And so I will I will say kind of three things that I would would struggle to to kind of put in order. But first is I do think that everybody needs somebody to help them. Mm. I really believe that a mentor or in, in kind of the navigator world, we call it a discipler and somebody who is discipling like Brian was for me. Brian showed me how to do everything. He didn't take me to a class on evangelism. He took me out sharing the gospel. Hmm. He didn't say, Ben, go read your Bible. He said, Ben, bring your Bible the next time we hang out and we're going to read it together. And I remember one time he picked me up for our one-to-one time. We met one-to-one every single week for years and a lot of times more than once a week. And he picked me up and he said, today we're just going to walk and we're going to pray together. And we're going to pray for all the people that you know in every dorm around the campus and Hmm. all the professors in the history building or whatever. Hmm. And that's how I learned how to pray. I learned how to pray by praying. I didn't learn how to pray by going to some workshop on prayer. I prayed. (laughs) And the same thing with speaking, the same thing with all these, you know, what we can call spiritual disciplines. So I think first, like you need somebody to help you. You need a mentor. You need a discipler. You need somebody to help. And then the other two, again, they're interchangeable, I think, as far as the top three is read your Bible and pray and somebody can help you read your bible and somebody can help you pray and until you kind of get the hang of it and really the way that i think about it is until you're ready to help somebody else read the bible pray and do all these things then you need somebody helping you until you're ready to go do it on your own Mm -hmm. and so to know christ make him known help others do the same that's what we're trying to do and I think that hmm. those, so those three things in the very beginning, because if the, the honest truth is, if you can learn how to read your Bible and really understand what God is saying, and you're learning how to pray and hear what God is saying and knowing how to talk to him, the Bible shows you everything else that you need to know. It shows you the morality. It shows you the the way of life, like the God-centered worldview, the Bible shows you that. And so so to me, those three things are absolutely critical. Prayer is just a, a means of expressing relationship. The way that you and I are talking right now, this, you know, it's like if, if one of us were God and the other one was just us talking back and forth, that's all prayer is. So prayer is this like intimidating word and people get all weird with prayer and they start like, <laughs> they pull out their big church words that are their big words that they would never say to another person like God can handle whatever words you're saying. I remember praying with Brian swearing in the middle of my first prayers, you know, cause I didn't, I, this is how I talked. And Brian, I think was probably just sitting there laughing under his breath. I I've, I've really now, so I'm two and a half years into to my walk with Jesus and, and I am really now just starting to learn to be quiet that it's not just a one-sided conversation, that in right. fact, there's there's a need for prayer. It, it, I, I read that if, if prayer is you talking to God, silence is you listening, and how important it is to actually do take the time to be quiet and listen. Um, Proverbs 18, 13 is, is becoming one of my favorite verses, and that's to, to spout off before knowing all the facts is both shameful and foolish. And I, I mean, you know, you've known me my entire life that spouting off before knowing all the facts is, is one of my kind of (laughs) go-to moves. Um, And so, so would you mind sharing with us a little bit about how your, the silent part of your prayer 
works? How do you, how do you try to just be silent and, and focus in on, on what God has to say to you? Yeah, it's a good question. I think for me, I, I am a journaler and that is one of the ways for me that helped me keep my, my mind from straying away from other things, Mm. uh, or toward other things. There's, I mean, like anybody listening, everybody has a lot going on in their life. Mm. Nobody is bored Mm. and, uh, and, and really nobody is even bored in their inner world. Their, their mind is always turning on something and, and I am no exception. So journaling really does help me. And so what I, what I do is I will either ask a question of the Lord or I will make a statement or, you know, whatever the prayer is, I write it out in longhand in my journal. And then I wait for a response and, and wait in silence and just, you know, and again, my mind is spinning. And so oftentimes the Lord will bring to mind verses that I've read, Mm. passages of scripture, verses that I've memorized in the navigator world. Scripture memory is kind of a big thing. So I've memorized lots of scripture over the years and without fail, the Lord will come and he will, he will just say what, whatever it is, you know, an answer to my question, or he will just, a lot of times he will just say, wait. And honestly, he's just says, I'm with you a lot of the time. Like there's not a specific answer Mm. and he's not going to come in like some, like he's not some magic doctor and he's not some magic, you know, like you just, again, you don't pray the right thing. And all of a sudden God will speak back. But he oftentimes, he reassures me that he's with me. He reassures me that he will never leave and never forsake me. And personally for me, as one who kind of wrestles with the fear of abandonment and wrestles with the fear of like people thinking that I'm irresponsible and things like that, for him to just say, I'm with you and I'm not going anywhere is so important to me. So if you were to look at my journal, there are probably, there's, there's a couple of verses that really do come up most often in his response back to me. Hmm. One is because I, I write, I confess my sin in my journal and I try to confess all my known sin in there because I believe that confession is always the first step to experiencing intimacy with God. And that's true whether you're a believer right th- now this moment or you're not a believer right now this moment. Confession is always the first step. Remember we talked about if you're praying for the first time, and inviting Jesus into your life. It starts with confession. Hmm. And for me, as a believer now, the the gospel is as applicable to me 27 years in as it was February 5th, 1995, when I placed faith in Christ. And it so so to me, confession is always the, the first step in experiencing intimacy. So I confess my sin and I ask the question, generally I ask the question like, okay, Lord, how do you feel about me now? I put all my crap out there. How do you feel now? And he always comes back with 1 John 1, 9. And he says, and 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Hmm. And so he not only forgives the sin, but he also purifies or cleanses you from the guilt that you feel, that bad feeling that you have. He cleanses you from that also. And so for me... That is one of the like that is one of the most common occurrences of scripture in my journal because I sin a lot, so I confess a lot, and that's and then he always comes back and he's like, but remember, you confessed, I forgive and I purify, and it's such a wonderful thing. So it's okay to turn those verses into the first person for you. Yeah. 
I in one of one of the worship songs, there's a, a, a lyric that says, I won't be formed by feelings, but I want to ask you about when you experience that purification and that forgiveness and that welcoming. What does that feel like for you? I think for me, the, the number one word is free. I mm. feel I feel free and free to to be who God created me to be mm. in my, you know, kind of passionate, joyful, zealous, like kind of always looking for a good time kind of person. <laughs> and that's just how I'm wired. And, uh, you know, and so it's it's free. I'm free to be who I am. And, but I'm also free to be who I am in Christ. And that mm. really is like, that's much more different than like the world saying, just be who you are. I, you know, second Corinthians five seventeen says that therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So I, when I say free, I mean free in the new man that I am because of Jesus. And so it's like free to be and free to be with Jesus. And I think the the freedom of not worrying about myself, hmm. that's so much where my sin comes from is worrying about myself, worrying about who, what are people thinking of me? And I hmm. think that that's true freedom is not worrying about what people think of me. True freedom is just like, I am in Christ and he is in me. And there's no place that I'd rather be than in Christ and him in me. Wow. That's what a great word, uh, free. I've heard a lot of things. I've heard a lot of people say, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And I've heard a lot of people who, who sort of base their belief center around that. I've also heard then that God gives you more than you can handle so that you can learn to depend on him and, and that you in fact must depend on him. So as you think about that, what comes to mind? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And this is probably the verse that people draw some of that kind of theology from or that belief. A theology is just basically, you know, kind of what you think and what you talk about God. And so here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And it says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Hmm. And I think we tend to take that and we remove some of like maybe the temptation language. Notice how often the word tempt is in there. It's in there like three or four times. And so this is very specific toward temptation towards sin. It's not just stuff happening in your life. It's not just like activity of life or, or whatever. It's this is specifically geared toward he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Hmm. So I think that's an important thing. But people often generalize this and be like, well, then the, the Lord won't give me more than I can handle because you could if you were to, you could kind of smell that thought in this verse, sure. but that's not what the verse is saying. <laughs> and so then it's the same kind of thing. God helps them who helps themselves. There's probably places in the scriptures you can smell that a little bit, but it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The closer you get to that smell, the worse it becomes. <laughs> and so like, it, it's true here too, that, that that's, I would say that that's kind of one of those lies that it's like, because then what it does, it forces you. If you think that God won't give you 
more than you can handle, then it sets you up kind of in an adversarial perspective of God, because then once you hit that quote unquote limit of what you can handle, then you're like, wait a minute, God, you're giving me more. I can't, I can't handle any more. And then more seems to always come. Mm, And so it sets us up in this adversarial relationship with the Lord. Where I think when we get into these situations, that is where we start to think through. This is one of the other verses that you know my wife and I pray a lot. We have uh, one of our children is special needs. We we often have very hard days as parents. It's not easy being parents. You know, it's not anybody who's parented kids. You know, it's not easy and it's not always fun. So here's one of the verses that my wife and I kind of quote to each other, especially on the hard days. We say it's Psalm 16, 6, and it says the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And so this is a statement of truth. So then we'll say to each other, remember, the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. Apparently, God's definition of pleasant is different than my (laughs) definition of pleasant. And therefore, I have to reorient myself. And I think that's a lot of what the Christian life is, is reorienting ourselves. So when Hmm. we think, well, God has given me more than I can handle. Well, apparently not, because you're still alive and and you're saying He's given me more so you can handle, but he has never, ever meant for you to handle it by yourself. He's Mm -hmm. never thought that for one second. And he has always thought we're in this together and really like I'm the one carrying the big load here. That's how Jesus has always thought he is. He says that his yoke is easy Mm -hmm. and his burden is light. So he and that's in Matthew 11. And he says that he. So he's always looking to be the primary load lifter. And I'm more like the, you know, the little kid helping dad, you know, kind of thing. That's how I picture it. <laughs> I hand you a screwdriver while you're, while you're yes, carrying that. Exactly. Heavy <laughs> I remember shoveling the driveway with dad as a little kid. And dad had this massive shovel that was seemed like maybe two or three feet wide. And then I had the little kid plastic shovel, you know, and my <laughs> job was to pick up the trails that fell off the side mm-hmm. of the, of the yeah. shovel. And, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm shoveling the driveway. Not really. I mean, I'm like picking up the trails. Dad's doing the heavy work there, and I'm kind of picking up the trails. That's kind of how it works with Jesus. He's carrying the heavy load, and I'm just sort of, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm making disciples. Yeah, not really. Jesus is really doing all that, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. On that, would you seal us up in prayer? Yes, absolutely. Well, Father, we thank you that you are good and that you are merciful father that your grace and that your mercy we can we can't out sin Mm. your grace and your mercy lord that there's always more and so father we we praise you because you are good because you are righteous because you are sovereign you are wise lord we give you praise because you deserve it and father Mm. i pray for each person listening this very moment Lord, that that they would see you for who you really are. Father, whether they see that right now, this moment, or whether it takes years and years and years, Lord, that they may see you for who you really are, the good and, and wise and righteous, loving God that you are. Father, I pray that you would uh, use these words that we've shared over these minutes uh, to encourage to uh, to woo people into relationship with you mm-hmm. or to nudge people toward you. 
Father, we pray that uh, that this opportunity that that Packy and I have shared, Lord, would bear much fruit, fruit mm. that would last in the kingdom. Lord, we thank you for the seeds that we're able to sow in these mm. moments, Lord. We praise you because you are good and praiseworthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being here with me today to talk this through. But My thank pleasure. you more for 25 years of prayer and hope for deliverance that 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 jesus would do what jesus does and and thank you for for just being my big brother through thick and through thin and through everything that you and i have have been through and and that the strength of god has has brought us through this into this moment where we get to go and be fathers and men of of god together and share yet another season of our lives together and so my pleasure uh, it's have, fun we're not done yet so <laughs> amen <laughs> thanks again for joining us on walking with jesus please consider becoming our patron on patreon you can find us on patreon where we are walking with jesus follow us on all the socials walking with jesus podcast now go and rejoice in the day the lord has made i pray his blessings are poured out over all of you see you next time on walking with jesus